Alright, so tonight we're going to learn two small pieces from the Birucham. If we get past the first one, Mitzvah we'll get on to the second one. Parshas Va'era, Das Taira, Va'yishlach Para, page Ayin Dalit on the bottom. The Pasuk says, Va'yishlach Para, Vinay Lameis, Mi Mikne Yisrael Ad Echad, Va'yichbad Lev Paray, Va'yishalach Esa'am. So Paray uh, checked to see whether or not it was true that by Makas um, Dever, there was no casualties, there were no deaths, no fatalities of the animals of the Jews. Many of the, the animals of the Mitzrim died, but the Jewish animals, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them that no, one is gonna, no animal is going to die amongst the Jews. So he checked, and sure enough, um, none died, or ad echad, until nothing was dead, and he got hardened, his heart got hardened, and he did not send out the Jewish people. Some learn that the way to read this Pasuk is that meaning he saw this was an amazing thing, he saw that many, many millions of animals on the Egyptian side died. Not a single animal died on the Jewish side. So that's a, that's a Pella. So you'd think that he would send out the people, but FLP, that he saw that Pella, he refused, which isn't surprising. He was a very stubborn man. The Efsher Gamloimar, but there's another way, says Yerucham, to understand this Pasuk. Ki inin hakosav amnam kipshutai. You don't read it Afalpi. There's no Afalpi in the Pasuk. It's Kipshutai. Laimar. Betam shel vayichbad leipar. You know why his heart got hardened? Ki machmas shara'a shalaymes mi mikni Yisrael ad echad. He saw that no cattle died on the Jewish side. It's not because, nevertheless, he refused to send that. It's because of that. That was what galvanized him to dig in his heels and say, no, I'm not sending out the Jewish people. That sometimes when you have hatred, it's mekalkelas zashura, it changes, it blurs the lines. Just like Ava we know is mekalkelas zashura, sinna is also mekalkelas zashura. What does it mean? It means that it takes you out of a rational way of thinking. If you hate something, you get so irrational against that person that sometimes, you know, you speak to some people and they have an enemy. The enemy could do the greatest thing in the world. You might have just given, you know, just donated a, a million dollars to a local hospital. Ah, uh, the guy's a Balgaiva. Whatever you do, whatever he does, it's going to always be looked at with jaundiced eyes, with just like a sinner. It's mekakal sashura. It distorts and it, it disrupts and it just, uh, it, it just blurs everything. They showed him this amazing wonder. It's not statistically possible other than the fact that there's a God in the world. But that didn't help. Why? Paray despised the Yidden so much. 
he saw that they didn't suffer a single casualty. His jealousy and his anger and his hatred was inflamed. It's precisely because they were so jealous that they were not able that he that he wasn't able to to do the right thing. He was not able to free the Jews because he not be, not in spite of the fact that it was such a lopsided miracle, but precisely because of that they were they were it was it made him more sure that he didn't want to leave, set the Jews out. What? But that's irrational. What do you mean? You should. You, you yeah. I know what I should do, but I don't care. This is so. I, I hate them so much that. All rationality, I'm throwing out the window. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care what's happening. I am, this is what I'm going to do. It's sort of a similar thing to what the Stipler uh, famously writes this week in the Birchas Peretz, uh, that Stipler had a sefer called Birchas, has a sefer called Birchas Peretz uh, on Chumash, and he says a very famous far, like everybody always says over the far by Tzvardeya, it says that Rashi brings a sheet that there was one Tzvardeya, and it was really one, but they kept on hitting it and hitting it, and every time they hit it, it split into two, split into four, and therefore, before you knew it, there were millions of Svardeyas all over the country. So the disciples said, what's going on here? Why would you do that? It's so, it doesn't make sense. If you see that you're causing yourself sorrows by hitting it, you stop hitting it. Why would you want to cause more you know, the, the, this thing to keep on mushrooming and spinning out of control, this millions of, it's because the Egyptians themselves, like, doesn't make sense. So the stipler says that that's what caste, that's what sinna does. Sinna is irrational. It doesn't make sense, but yet you do it anyway. And you hate the results. You know that you're not going to like what you did tomorrow morning. I remember reading about, uh, once there was like a famous boxer, and uh, he bought himself like a brand new, whatever, fancy sports car. This is going back uh, probably 20, 30, 40 years. He bought himself a fancy sports car and he got, he got into a fight with somebody and he got so angry that he took his car and he smashed it into a tree. Just smashed, he, he, he totaled his car. Now, where's the rationale? What, what, did, what, did, what did that accomplish? You just lost yourself a $150,000, $200,000 car. Like, why would you do that? It doesn't make sense rationally, but that's because we're sitting here nicely and you know, discussing it rationally. But when you get crazy, when a person gets, gets incensed about something, you're so angry, you know, sometimes you go and you take your fist and you do what with it? You punch it through a wall. And then, and then after, you have to hire a handyman to go and fix that wall. It's going to cost you time, money, like, you know, for what? But it felt like it was the right thing to do at the time, you go and punch out a police officer, like, because he pulled, like, what are you doing? Like, are you, are you crazy? I once had a friend, believe it or not, who, he got so mad, there was like a meter maid that was giving him a ticket for whatever reason, he got so mad, he started getting into a fist fight with a meter maid. This is going back also like 100 years ago when we were Bahram, but, you know, he made it into the newspaper, and then he sued the, the, the whatever, but... What are you doing? Like, what, what are you, why are you getting into a fight with a meter maid? Like, what, is that a good idea? The answer is he had no control over what he was doing. He was so angry that just, you know, he allowed his 
his, his, he allowed himself to just get swept away in, in his fit of rage. And it sounds funny, like when we're sitting around and talking about it, but I think we all, you know, road rage is a real thing, right? Do you ever get mad somebody pulls you, somebody cuts you off, or I don't know, does something really bad to you on the road, and then like all of a sudden you start like, you know, acting like a nutcase, and you start like zooming and trying to cut him off and whatever, and you're getting into a, no, you never had that. I had people cut in front, but. Well, you're too nice a guy, but. So, so it happens, and and it, it could happen to very nice, normal people. Believe it or not, it's not just for Mishagayim. It just it doesn't take a lot to trigger people going temporarily insane, and sometimes they go insane and they do really crazy stuff that they really regret for the rest of their lives. But and the crime, was, cr- what? Was over a good span of time. What was? It wasn't. It wasn't temporary. It was like for a year on that he was being crazy like this. I can't hear what you're saying. He's saying Paro's anger was oh, for a long amount of time. Yeah, it wasn't was like a temporary hour. thing. He was psychotic for a good year. So he knows <laughs> that. Least. But this is the whole Mitzrayim that was, uh, that was, that was whapping the, you know, playing whack-a-mole with these. Anyway, so, but you see from here that that's, that's the state of anger and hatred. You know, what it could do to a person, it doesn't, it doesn't matter like how the miracles that happen, it just enrages you more. If the enemy is like, you, you think, okay, can't, you know, can't the Arabs see that, you know, we have siat dishmaya, that, you know, the Iron Dome works and that thing works and, you know, we, we're Baruch Hashem, we're doing well, we're succeeding. Can't they just be, no, that makes them crazier. They don't want to see, they don't want to see the Yad Hashem. They don't want to see the miracles. They don't want to see, they want to, they want, they, they want us dead. And the more that they see the miracles, that doesn't make them be, my, okay, okay, you're right, you're, we're, we're wrong. No, it just gets things worse. So that's one very important yisaid that we learned from Yerucham. Let's turn the page. Okay. And now we're going to learn... Do you want one? Um, thank you. So now we're going to learn another very, very important yisaid. Um It's the last piece in the parasha. I think. One second. Let me just make sure. Yes. Hatir el Hashem, the Eshlocha Eschem loisay Sifon Lamid. Pari says, Go daven to Hashem. This is to finish the Makkah of Barod. And then I'll send you out. And you're not going to continue uh, to stand here before me. We're going to end this relationship. Just daven to Hashem and we'll get rid of you. So it seems like, you know, if you read this parsha, it seems like Pari keeps on scamming Meshur Rabbeinu. Like, he keeps saying, you know, dangling this carrot in front. Okay, if you get rid of the, of the maca, I'm going to get rid of them. Then after the maca passes, then he has a change of heart. And it keeps happening again and again. Like, how many times is Meshur Rabbeinu going to fall for this? So, Zakhtar Biruchim, Loi is called Don't mistake, mistakenly think that power was scamming Meshur Rabbeinu. That when he said, when he said, Davin and, I'm, I'm, and we're done, you're out of here that he was lying. He really wasn't lying. He was telling the absolute honest truth. He was not making a fool of Meish When the Maka was having its effect, he honestly 
was very, very inspired and motivated to do the right thing. He wanted to do the right thing. Ulam, Achakach Beis Sara Maka, but now that the Maka is gone, Ki Oz Hu he forgets about it. When things are tough, when things are really, really bad, then we want to do something. We want to. We want to change. We want to. We want to. We want to change our life. And when you're scared about something, you make these great kabbalas. And then when things get a little eased up and things are a little better in our lives and they're not so. Uh, they're not so bad. All right. Now, now things went back to normal. Now we could. Uh, we could rethink all of those big kabbalas that we made. Hain heim tchun I saw, and this is exactly how. Human, the human condition is when person has tremendous stress on him, a lot of pressures, a lot of different, uh, a lot of very uh, messy situations. We become really, really good then. You promise the world, but with the very first easement, when you have a little bit of, of, of breathing space, and now you're feeling a little better, suddenly you don't recognize this guy anymore. He's like different. You don't even realize that it's the same person. And this is so true. I mean, I remember when we were, uh, when we were in quarantine um, for COVID uh, back in 2020. And um, I, I had COVID very badly, very, very badly. I wasn't Parachim hospitalized, but I had like every other crazy symptom for like three weeks. I mamish did not eat or drink, came out anything. Um, I lost a crazy amount of weight. I was, uh, I had, uh, whatever, I don't want to talk about all that. I think I probably, you probably heard, maybe heard me talk, talking about this already, but it was a really, really scary time in my life. I was like, I said Vidoy more than once. I mamish thought it was over. Um, but my kids were really nervous about me. Like they told me more recently, like they mamish thought that it was it. Um, but, and, and when, you, when you're in that situation, you know, you really, you start rethinking everything about your life and you make a lot of Kabbalists and you say like, and when I felt better, and it wasn't just Kabbalists, like when I felt a little better and I was able to daven again, like when I was sick, I mamish threw my tulin on and off. I couldn't like, I mamish couldn't, Function, so I, I put my tefillin on probably less than a minute. And I said Shema, maybe, and I plop back on the couch. But then when I started feeling better, then my davening, like every davening, I was davening biachidas like the rest of the world. But I was mamish davening like in the ilush manesre. I loved it. It was like I was so in the zone. I felt such akaras atayv Hashem, and I felt like this is going to be the way. It's it's going to stay like this forever. You know, how could it be otherwise? Like I'm going to my every shmanesre, I'm going to daven. Kishmach, like this is how it is. I'm going to focus. I'm going to have that relationship with Rabbi Yisrael. And then, you know, time passes and you have a little harracha. You have a little bit of now, you know, they let you back out a little bit. Now the, the back, back, I mean, on him are starting again. 
And before you know it, like you start slipping back into, into regular life again. You know, I, I thought that we would learn a, a couple of lessons from COVID, like about chasnas, how you don't have to make big fancy schmancy chasnas, and you know how beautiful those little backyard chasnas were, and they were. There, there's nothing wrong. It, I thought it taught us a lesson that you can get married for under $100,000. But then, you know, then suddenly, like, we got a little bit of harvacha, we started easing up again, and before you know it, you're back at these, you know, big lavish chasnas with a thousand people and a ten-piece band, and, a, and like, we didn't learn any lessons. And then we, like, we're shocked at power's behavior, and, like, we don't look in a mirror. Like, power was doing what we do. Power, when things were tight, when things were tough, when there was a mako and there was a, a, you know, alligators in his stomach that, you know, croaking. So then he says to Maishu Rabbeinu, okay, you know, I, he cried uncle. He's like, get, get these out of here and, and we're good. He meant it. He meant it. He had, he had here a tshuva. But then once the alligators left, once the crocodiles, the, the frogs, whatever you want to call them, left, back to old Paray. And that's exactly how we are. It's not like you can't even blame Paro. The guy's like, you know, he's doing everything that we do. But we learn so much about, about ourselves from these parishes. And, um, you know, this is, uh, it's, there's a story with Rav Gifter. When Rav Gifter was going from America to, uh, to Tells, to, to Lithuania, to learn yeshiva when he was a bacher, um, so he was on a, he took a boat. In those days, I don't know if they had airplanes yet, but if they did, it was very, very expensive. So most people just took a, just took a, like a cruise ship or like a regular boat, a big, big ship. And, and basically, sort of Gifter was on the ship and he was like observing things on the ship. So at night they had uh, a big, a big, um, you know, like a card room the card room and you know, there was like a band playing and the people were having a, a great time. They were all sitting there playing, uh, you know, whatever they play, blackjack or rummy, whatever, poker. And, uh, you know, and they were having, a, you know, men and women. It was a big party. And all of a sudden, like the boat started like rocking like this, like, you know, like and everybody was getting queasy and they thought the boat might capsize and like, you know, it was like really like stormy weather and boom and, and all of a sudden, everybody like put the cards away and they started praying and they started crying and they started getting all serious. And the band, of course, stopped playing and they were, everything was tense. They didn't know if they were going to be the next Titanic. And then, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, there was the, the boat started steadying again. The, st- the storm had passed out to sea. And then the band starts playing up the music again. And, you know, and everybody starts like taking out the cards as if nothing had happened. And Rav Gifter gets to Tells, and he tells the Tells of Shiva, Rav Bloch, like, you know, what he had seen. He, he was bothering, you know, he was a emistic he was a Yeshiva Bach, he was like a, he was a thinker, he was an observant person, and he, he asked his Rashiva, like, how, how could that be? He says, and, and he told him, like, exactly this, he said, that's, that's the way human beings are. Human beings are like that when things are very hard, so then, you know, we're very, we get very nervous and we're macabre things and we're, you know, and then uh, when things ease up, when things are a little, we could breathe a drop and, the, and the, 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 sh- the, the storm passes out to sea. So then we go back to being our same old way. We know this from every Rosh Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we're like davening in Shuvah, Tvilat, Tzedakah, we're making crazy Kabbalahs. 
And then, you know, you give it, then Sukkot comes around by, you know, maybe over Sukkot work is still good. But then, like, you know, by the time Isra Chag rolls around and we're back to the human, we're back to, to normal life. So, you know, how many of those Kabbalists are still with us? How much how, do we, did we really change that much? Did the tshuva really stick at all? And hopefully it did. I mean, you know, you know maybe it, did, it, did, it does for some people. But more often than not, human beings are not easy. We're not, we're, we, don't, we don't adapt very easily to new terrain. We sort of have our comfort zone, and we, we might once in a while put our toe outside of the comfort zone to feel the water, but we instinctively pull it back, and we, uh, we move back into that place that we're comfortable. And that's not a, it's not a good thing, but you know, it, it is what it is, and it's important for us to recognize that about ourselves, because if we understand that about ourselves, then maybe uh, we will be able to change because we'll be honest with ourselves, we'll be able to evaluate ourselves really and know, you know, and, and measure the, you know, the, the achievements that we're making and, and try not to, to, to roll backwards. But it's just fascinating the way Rabbi Rucham, um, you know, takes lessons from... Uh, from Paris. So tonight we, we learned two important things. First of all, we learned a lot about Kaas and Sina, how it blurs all lines, and it's precisely when, it's precisely because of this lopsided miracle and because of the Nisim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was giving as a gift to Klal Yisrael, that Para deliberately wanted to not let them go, just to spite them, because he hated them so much that he, it made him angrier. It made his cast and fueled. And then also we learned a lot tonight about the importance of understanding how when we're stressed about something, we make Kabbalists and we honestly want to change. But we have to be careful because when there's harvacha, when things go away, when the maka dissipates a little bit and now there's room again to re, you know, regroup and to rethink, then everything is, is back to, to the old ways. And I don't really want to do that. And I just said it because I was under duress, but it wasn't really me and I didn't mean it. And, uh, and, and that's my, my new decision is to go and to retract what I said before. And there's a, a bit of power. Power is really, as the Misosi Sharm writes and others, power is really a, a semel of the Eight Sahara. Para is, a, a pers- is the Yitzhahara personified. And this is what the Yitzhahara tells us to do. The Yitzhahara allows us to, uh, to believe that things are going to change and it encourages us sometimes even to change. and to do. But it, it knows that if it just gives us enough time, we're going to slip back and do the Averis of yesterday. And that's why it's very important that when we make a Kabbalah, and we should try to really, um, you know, to make sure that it sticks somehow. Rav Dessler used to say that when a person wants to quit smoking, he used that as, that as an example, when a person wants to quit smoking, you know what the best thing is to do? You tell everybody that you quit smoking. When you want to go on a diet, right, when you're going on a diet, you know what you should do? Tell everybody that you're on a diet. Because then when they see you eating that hamburger on Tuesday, you know, they're, they're going to come over and say, you know, I thought you were on a diet. So you're not going to eat the hamburger on Tuesday. You're going to eat the chef salad. 
So, right, that's the, that, but, or you're not going to smoke Impala because you don't want people to know that you're, so whatever you could do to somehow make a, make your Kabbalah reinforced so that you don't have this natural slippage when it's not Yom Kippur or when you don't have this crisis. It's very important to do things to, to make sure that it's bolstered and that it's secured and it's locked in place. Because if you don't do that, then it will inevitably dissipate. All of your good intentions and all of your Kabbalists and all of your goodwill, uh, generally when things get easier, and hopefully in most cases they do, if you give it enough time, then uh, those Kabbalists that we meant sincerely, Bishas Maisa, very often fall away. I don't really even remember why I would make that Kabbalah. I don't remember, you know, what happened to me during COVID, post-COVID. Like it's all like, seems like a million years ago and I'm back to myself. And that is the danger of the human uh, condition, the human psyche. But these are, there's so much psychology to be taken from these parashas. And Baruch Hashem, we have Rabbi Rucham with his Das Taira to enlighten us. Mm-hmm.